Yeah, thank yes, there we go. Good evening. Good uh Good evening, Sisyphus Brewing. Mine is not on, is it? Is your mic on? Mike's is on. That's okay. I can project. Yeah. No, we, we're recording this, so we do not want... <laughs> I'll project into your microphone. Please. We are actually recording this, and so this is exciting. Yes, so you're on tape. Welcome, everyone. This is... Uh, I think we're just one podcast tonight short of a podcast-a-palooza, don't yeah. you think? A pod-stravaganza? Maybe? You know, he's, he's already no anding me here. So. <laughs> no and. <laughs> no, I'm supposed to go. Yes and. Yes, Mike. Yeah, I like what you. I, I like am, the cut uh, of your Michael J. Nelson, and this is. Uh, I'm David Berge, David Paul Berge. Uh, I um, am the co-host of this podcast along with Michael. There we go. We Thank go. you That's very much. Better. That helps yeah. a lot. Podcasting after dark. So um, uh, I do want to do some housekeeping before we get this show started, and I know we're all excited to see what we have to say about Christian Mingle. Um, and so, uh, but, um, so we have table service that is happening tonight. So uh, I saw a lot of people at the bar, which is great, getting beer. We want to uh, thank Sisyphus for hosting us. Thank you, Sisyphus. And uh, support them through the pur- purchase of adult beverages or pop, as we say here in Minnesota. And so, um, uh, or pretzels. They look like some delicious pretzels there. So uh, if you could do that, would be great. And so with table service, what you can do is there's menus on your table. When you are ready to order a beverage, just put that menu um, standing up in your cup. And when it's standing in your cup, that means that um, um, she'll come and take your order. And then you can uh, make sure you have give her a credit card or that you've already, if you've already got a tab open, um, that will work as well. Is that good? Perfect. All right. That was good housekeeping. You're like one of those corporate comedians. Now you go into making fun of the boss. Is John here? We hear you're really, really tight with money, John. That's my corporate comedy. Uh, Explain who we are and what we're going to do tonight. And explain what our second podcast is. Oh, what do you mean the second podcast? What do you mean our second podcast tonight? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing. Uh, we're <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget what we're doing tonight? <laughs> O'Connor Lestoke is here because uh, there's also going to be a recording of the headliner tonight. Is 372 pages. We'll never get back. Which is a. Po- I'm a listener. I'm a fan. It is a podcast about books that you're probably going to hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far, I think you're nine for nine on that one. Yep. Though it seems like Ivar Gone was not hated. It was loved. We'll talk about that later. Okay, yes. all right. And it seems like the most hated book by far was Bob Honey, Who Do Stuff. Bob Honey by uh, Sean Penn. His, he's got a, a sequel to it. It's out uh, now. I just heard it. Sean Penn interviewed on Bill, the Bill Let's Simmons. Let's get a show of hands. How many have read Sean Penn's second book? I know you've all read the first one. Nobody's read the second one. All right. Spare yourself. So we, this is the podcast where we talk about the big issues, the big questions of uh, faith, uh, theology, philosophy, uh, theophysy. Um, we do some divination. The theodicy. <laughs> we do things. Uh, we, we, this is from a Christian perspective, though we welcome all comers at our table in the marketplace of ideas. But most importantly, we're going to be getting to Christian Mingle in a second. I do have giveaways tonight. And I have uh, sardines of various varieties, which I'm going to toss to the crowd, which uh, I'm going to have to do very gingerly. So, um. <laughs> And we have a disgusting food that we're going to eat tonight. Uh, Mike will probably like it, but uh, a fa- actually a listener sent it in to me. Oh, really? Yeah. He, uh, it was, he asked How if he could send it. How expired is it? Um, <laughs> The jar, I believe the safety it hasn't popped up yet, but we'll normally pop it up if we, sh- if we should treat it like Tylenol in right. the 80s, so um, without the cotton ball. Okay, so anyways. So, all right. yeah, what we're doing here tonight is um, we're talking about kind of the intersection of faith and art. Um, what is our responsibility as Christians to make good art? 
Uh, one way to approach it might be for someone to talk about the Sistine Chapel or, uh, you know, um, any, you know, a cathedral and the stained glass windows. We go about it by watching Christian Mingle <laughs> as a, a counterexample. Perhaps we don't want to spoil it of what not to do. We'll see. It, we'll see. It belongs in the pantheon of uh, great works of Christian art in the 21st century. But it, uh, yeah, so uh, what can we say about this movie, Mike? Uh, it was directed by Corbin Burnson, written and directed by him. The great Corbin Burnson. A lot of big Burnson fans out there. Uh, the great Corbin Burnson. Uh, you might know him from uh, L.A. Law, and he was also in Major League with uh, uh, one of the Sheens. Charlie right? Sheen. The, less, the least likable Sheen, I think, is the, uh, I don't know. Charlie Sheen. He's a G Joe Estevez or <laughs> right. roller gator Joe Estevez. <laughs> or, um... That's a deep cut, Dave. Come on. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um, so, and it stars uh, Lacey Chabert. I, is... I say Lacey Chabert, but. What did I say? Chabert. I would say. <laughs> I would say that was what very awkwardly pronounced. <laughs> Who I thought, I, I think I said this on our podcast when I brought this movie up many years ago about how bad it was. I thought she was Jewish because she played Gretchen Wiener. Who's Gretchen Wiener? In the, in the movie, the hit movie Mean Girls. And if I were to give, oh, a, right. if I were to give a one word review to Christian Mingle, it was fetch. It was, this guy knows how it, to play oh, an Well, fetch here. is the word. Fetch is the one word. A one word review. Fetch. There All we right. go. And it also stars uh, Stephen Toblowski. From? Uh, Groundhog Day. Day. Famous from Groundhog Day. Uh, and uh, Jay Peterman, whose name I never learned. Isn't it John O'Hurley? John yeah, O'Hurley? Seinfeld's uh, Jay Peterman. That is an amazing idea, Elaine. The urban sombrero. That's your best impression. <laughs> your impressions you, Mike, are is... usually awful. Who, who was it on our pod that you claimed to be able to do? Robin Leach. I do a great Robin okay, Do your Robin Leach. Welcome to Sisyphus Brewing. It's lifestyles of the rich and famous. That is just awful. It's just... That is wretched. My parents told me I was really good at that when your I was... Your parents told you. Mama and Papa. <laughs> call out to the movie. There we go. All right. Your parents liked your first BM, too. So let's... Hey, ho, whoa. Yeah, All right. Anyway. Uh... All right. All right. So let's get to it. Uh, the plot is pretty simple. Do we need to go into the plot? Or I think a little bit. Who, uh, raise okay. your hand if you watched the movie. So probably a third. So uh, Christian Mingle is spiking on Netflix right now. Huh? <laughs> Double the amount of viewers. Uh, and it was it was released in theaters. It did a, a cool twenty five k. Did you go to box office? I did Mojo. go to box office. Mojo. Yeah, I did a cool twenty. More than the room though. And it's opening release. More? Than the opening release of The Room? Absolutely. I guess The Room has been open for like 12 oh, years. Oh, yeah. No, so The Room right. has made millions of dollars at this yeah. point. But, but uh, initial run made to a cool 25K. It's a movie based on a dating website, ChristianMingle.com. How many people met on ChristianMingle.com? Was a crazy idea meeting someone online, like they say in this movie, which is yes. one of the most common ways to meet someone yes. in the world is dating on the internet. But yes, thankfully, Corbin Burnson chose to do ChristianMingle.com and not Tinder. That would have been a very different, <laughs> a, a very different movie. I don't know how that would have, tur how it would have turned out. But if they sponsored it, you've got to, he shopped it around. I, I wanted to see the faces of the whole staff of Christian Mingle after the screening, like... Uh, <laughs> 
too late to change it to like Jaws or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Scrub our name from the uh, title of this. Farm, like farmersonly.com. Yeah, farm. <laughs> I mean, I mean. J date. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, well, let's let's get into the. Oh, okay. So she she lies about. She goes on Christian Mingle. Okay. Although she's not unfamiliar with Christianity, she grew up in the church. Yeah, vaguely. She was baptized. Like so, she has some understanding of Christianity, some sort of Christian background or whatever. Um, she is uh, thirty years old. Oh my gosh! So it's like basically she's almost done. It's like she's almost like uh, what's the lady in Bridget? Help. No, not Bridget Jones. Thank you. <laughs> no, in the in the it's a wonderful life. Oh, Mary. Mary, what? She's, she's just about to close up the line. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the greatest tragedy in the world. She's, she's thirty years old. She's Ugh. in marketing, but pretty soon she's going to be a librarian. Yeah. And her friends, who we don't understand why she's friends. She has lots of friends. She's attractive. She seems normal. Um, but she's, she doesn't like have a murder basement in her house or anything. <laughs> Just a normal person, but she can't meet a guy. So, so she, she lies and goes on Christian Mingle and, and meets... Meets Paul. Paul. Oh, you're going to love this meets guy. Meets Paul. So should we meet Paul? Let's meet Paul. Let's meet Paul. Oh, we want to meet Paul. All right. Okay, yeah, that'll work. Uh, yeah, you can dip it in the soy and... Uh-huh. Here goes. Start your uh, watches for how long he'd choose this. Mm. A Christian eating sushi? <laughs> also, very culturally sensitive background music happening right now. You are going to actually have to swallow at some point. Mm. It's coming. No. Mm-hmm. Here it goes. Oh. Oh. All right, my, my favorite line of the whole movie is coming Not up exactly very soon. Not exactly sure what just happened. After this. <laughs> you just chewed that fortune to death is what happened. Here we go. Yeah. I guess I'm just more of a chili cheese dog kind of guy. <laughs> so, so that's Paul. Paul is clearly the worst. <laughs> And by Hallmark rules, this guy is the guy she leaves, right? Oh, yeah. For it's the like, actual guy. This is not, there's no, I mean, who here likes Paul? Just raise your hand. If you see this, you think, I would, I want to end up with, I want her to end up with Paul. Thank you, Connor. That's, it takes courage to do that in a room. Uh, Connor, uh, if you want to go on another date, we will pay for it. Um, <laughs> a timely reference there. It's a very timely reference. Um, so, yeah, Paul is. You know, she has one date with him, and then obviously you're supposed to see the youth uh, leader pull up on his motorcycle and fling his helmet down and like, ah, there's the love interest. There is no other love interest. No. It's Paul. It's, it's, she it's, rides it's, this horse the whole way, uh, <laughs> so, to, so to speak. It's turtles. Uh, it's Paul it's all, turtles the all the way down. It's turtles all the way down with Paul. Uh, so, yeah, but I don't know what that, what is the point of that scene? So th the director is Christian. He seems to be evangelizing with the movie. That seems to be his point. And then he gives us Paul. 
Like, <laughs> and he's supposed to be attractive. Like? Yeah. That he's so happy. There's something about him that I just want what he has. What does Paul have? Uh, a like of chili cheese dogs. <laughs> he might be the squarest person in, in the history of movies. Do you movies. think you could get a whole sermon out of chili cheese dogs? Is there a metaphor there or something? Like, sometimes God gives us sushi when we want chili cheese dogs. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that, people? Uh, the, the, best, <laughs> the best I could get is, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That's about... That's, <laughs> Is that, good? I mean, a, good is that a good message? Topic, no. <laughs> is that? Because then you have to say to the congregation, not now. Uh, <laughs> what? Actual, what? actual booze from this. All right, so we've met Paul. We've yeah, established right. that there's nothing attractive about him. There's no chemistry between the two of them. But Lacey Chabert, uh, Gwyneth is her character name, or Gwenny. Uh, Gwenny is what they call her. Was it? Possible, possible car name for someone right there is Gwenny. Uh, and, uh, and so, but she's desperate enough that she'll keep going out with this guy. I think we've established that. So she goes to a Bible study. So we meet more Christians. So if you didn't like Paul, don't worry. There's a lot more yeah. attractive people coming. And I think this is just exemplars of the, the faith where it's like, I want what they have. Yeah. So let's so see. Let's, let's meet these characters. And now you're really going to want to be part of the, part of the tr- crew Everyone, here. This is Gwyneth. And whatever you do, don't call her Gwynny. <laughs> okay, let's see. That's Jimmy okay. and Jesse McKenzie, happy newlyweds, met on Mingle. Turn me on to it. Praise oh, the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and this is their beautiful home. Oh. And that's Tommy and Gabby Hundley, who are having a baby. My belly. <laughs> praise the Lord. Indeed. And that's Kel Kel. Hi, hi. Kelly. Oh. Heck, you want to talk about summer camp stories? We got a few of our own. <laughs> hey, this is a PG hey, movie. All right. Geez. Believe me, it's nothing. <laughs> okay, let me see if I have it. We have Jimmy and Jesse McKenzie, Tommy and Gabby Huntley, who are having a baby in your belly, and Summer Camp Kelly. So <laughs> you should just call me Gwenny. <laughs> Woo! Those people are clearly going to hell. <laughs> Every single one of them. They are. Mike, we did a podcast recently about uh, do aliens need Jesus? And. These people are aliens. They are. They are not. (laughs) The the lizard people are coming out of their costumes. The middle couple was just awful. (laughs) The baby in the belly? She's having a baby and I hate her. Like, that's really. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's a tough acting job to pull off. Uh, So she disguises the fact that she's not Christian from these people, despite their obviously keen intelligence, every one of them. (laughs) Um, And then what do we move on to? Oh, uh, Oh, this this is truly one of the most amazing scenes in the movie so this is so it's like okay so they're dating and they're trying to suss out you're you met someone on christian mingle you want to figure out is this person a christian so beyond and you know this is for serious you know serious christians so to find out sort of how you know you're not just culturally raised in it how is this existentially meaningful uh, to you do you have a conversion story a sort of testimony to share and so he asked paul asked gwyneth for her sort of how did you you know how did you come to faith how did you come to christ type of story she says it's personal i don't really want to share it now and then so she says how about you tell me how it happened for you and then so he answers this question directly about how he came to faith by describing how his father came to faith which makes no sense and it involves i kid you not finding a piece of driftwood on the beach and carving it into a statue of jesus 
Which is how many and people... He says, and then he never looked back. <laughs> At what? From what? Like, it doesn't... From what? It's just insane. Like, there's just... Yeah, I think he's, I don't know. And it has this great moment where it's like, hey, your dad, and because his dad was a hippie in the 70s, so it's like, your dad was a drifter. He found a piece of wood. Your last name is Wood, a drifter, driftwood. And Paul, Paul is just easily amazed by many things that happen, as we'll see in this next evidence about him doing something with mice. I, I can't. This is his conversion story. This is his conversion story. story. So let's, this let's is this man's it. testimony. C.S. Lewis, you know, riding on the bus. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so follow Blaise Pascal, you know, uh, fire, fire. No, the, oh my gosh, all right. Scales this is Paul. from his eyes. Paul Damascus, my gosh. Paul's Damascus moment. Well, well, anyway, my driftwood moment actually happened when I was 13. I entered the science fair at school, and I built this maze for mice to run through. I had them in two cages, the mice. On one cage, I had flashing red lights and headbanging music going 24-7. And the other one... Torturing mice, okay. blue light and classical music. My hypothesis was that the mice in the tripped-out cage would run the maze faster because they were all hyped up. And the mellow mice would just wander through without really caring. And then right before every run, I would give each mouse a sniff of this big chunk of Swiss cheese that I had at the end of the maze, the, their prize. Um, uh, this is actually me, but I, I'm fascinated. I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Get out of there. Somewhere in the middle of it all, I, none of that mattered anymore because I, I got so fixated on the notion of the cheese, that prize that both sets of mice had a, had a scent of and ultimately were drawn to. Each had their own path. But the goal was the same. Don't tell me you saw Jesus in the cheese. No. <laughs> no. Um, but it reminded me like so much of what I had been doing as a kid. Searching for something that I, I had a sense of, but I couldn't quite put my finger on. Fake coffee drinking, by so the way. So it all clicked. The cheese. Jesus' love was waiting for me. Like the cheese. So in that weekend, I won the science fair and found my prize, a love in Christ. Well, sweet Jesus. <laughs> sweet Jesus. <laughs> sweet Jesus. <laughs> you find the funny in everything, don't you? <laughs> um, you, you would have to. Oh. He, uh, he was competing against a baking soda volcano. That is, can be the only way that he won that science fair. My gosh. I want you to talk about the theology of this in a second, but my first thought about that scene is I'm going to use that technique from now on of like, oh, sorry, this is me. I'm like, I have to get away from this whole <laughs> conversation. Like, Mike, that's a cement factory. Like, yep, I, uh, this is, where this is I so, it's now. so fascinating, sorry, though. Man. Wish you could it's finish so your funny. story. Anyway, go ahead about the theology of that. Does that track with how most people? Well, are nothing. Tra nothing about that story tracked at all. It made no sense. So what was it? He's torturing the mice, and then he's playing classical music, right? And he or he headbanger. And then he realizes mm -hmm. they both somehow get to the cheese. They so both want the same thing, or they have a greater purpose in life that they're pursuing either in a fast way or a slow I don't way. Know. Why are we doing the work <laughs> for the movie? It's just, it makes zero. It sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, what's next? Oh, 
<laughs> this is the steak and cake scene. Oh, yes. <laughs> they go to a restaurant called Steak and Cake. It's, it's painful. It's it's so painful, this scene. So just note as you watch this dinner scene, and it's like a prayer that they... So the steak and cake, they put out entire steaks on plates in front of you. I mean, but stacks of them. And then full uncut cakes. And... Somehow, and the Christians eating there is supposed to make you more like, oh, isn't this charming? But they're they charming. Eat? They're so, and these are the people that she is supposed to want to. This is yeah. She wants in. The, they have something that she doesn't have. She wants a part of this. So if S- you steak are, and cake. If you're not a Christian, look at this scene. You could have this, people. <laughs> That's our evangelism for the night. Here you go. Dear Lord, thanks a bunch for new friends. It's really not often in life that we get such a gift. People that are just kind and generous and so thank you. There's the cake and the steak. And and for this food, golly, I mean, steak and cake. It's kind of hard to know which to eat first, but I guess it's all going to the same place. So we are just very thankful for that. And we thank you for the um, abundantness of all of it. There's just so much. And uh, we thank you for the cows who were willing to give up themselves. And that this food is going to nourish our bodies. I like this. Yep. (laughs) You nailed it. Awesomeness. And really have a great amount of gratitude. So, yes. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, yes, in Jesus' name. I mean, all of that, of course, was in Jesus' name. All righty to the almighty. Let's dig in. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new family prayer. All righty to, <laughs> to the, the almighty. almighty. Let's dig, dig in. in. First so, of all, about that restaurant, turn the lights down, for God's sake. gosh. <laughs> they were like eating under heat lamps. They're Perkins. Rest in peace. Um, so, but I, and I do think that this, my hypothesis that this movie didn't realize is that these people are the villains in this movie. They're you know, absolutely the villains. <laughs> They're treating her like garbage. They're shaming her because she doesn't know how to pray. Like exactly like. And them. what kind of a, like talk about aliens? Who hasn't like? Hey, could you say a prayer? Is there anyone on Earth who would go like? Prayer? What? Ah! <laughs> Dive under the table for a piece of steak? I mean, everybody knows at least how the form of it kind of goes, right? And so I thank the Lord for giving me the things that he sent. Apple seed. That maybe they would have looked at her like crazy for that. Yeah, that's Connor. Yep, there you go, Connor. Thank you, God, for giving me food. That one, maybe? The Superman one? Superman one? Oh, it's thank you, God, for giving us food. Thank you, God, for giving us food for the friends that we meet and the foods that we eat. Thank Who? you, God, for giving us food. Who raised you? <laughs> I come from the... Uh, Kel El... What's his name? El Al? What? Call, call Kel Al. I'm from the planet Krypton? Or that's where the bad stuff comes from? I don't know. Yeah, it was Krypton. Uh, Krypton, it's Krypton. Keep, keep going, though. Keep... <laughs> seems like a productive riff. I was... <laughs> Stay with it. I was bit by a radioactive spider. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, and? <laughs> All right, so she goes with them on... She skips out of work. We're, we're missing a lot here of important stuff. She just leaves work, where Stephen Toblowski is an insane boss who wears an admiral's hat 
Uh, but he works for like a hip PR company, so that doesn't really add up. And he's, uh, they're, they're selling this fake hair restoration product being pitched by John O'Hara, Jay Peterman. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So she just leaves work, so we don't really see that. And she goes on this mission trip. And then, uh, so they're teaching the kids. She doesn't speak Spanish. They go to <laughs> no Mexico. one speaks Spanish as far as I can tell. Well, Kel Kel does. But they go to the fake mes- Mexico where Arrested Development filmed its <laughs> Mexico scenes. And they're, you know, this is like Culver City. They go down there and like they, they go to this little, you know, pueblo, this village, and they put Bible verses on the buildings in English. We are in Mexico, but all the Bible verses on these buildings are in English. It's it's culturally sensitive. They're monsters. Cross cultural yeah. mission. <laughs> And, uh, and this is what results. So they throw a question to her. Yeah, so they're see. teaching these kids about uh, a passage from First John, God is love. And this girl raises, she says, okay, I hear God is love. My village has been destroyed. That raises some very interesting questions. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Would anybody like to say anything about that? Maria. Si Dios es amor, if God is love. How come this terrible thing happened to our village? That's a very good question, Maria. Gwyneth, hmm? would you like to take a crack at it? I'm sorry. I just, my Spanish, I don't, I don't think I understood the question. Maria wanted to know why, if God loves us so much, he let happen to their village, what happened? If God is love, why did he let this happen? Well, that is a very good question, Maria. And not an easy one to answer, but I know there are many wonderful answers in here. Uh, let me see. She doesn't speak English. <laughs> James 1, verses 7 through 8. I think that addresses... So she says James 1, verses 7 and 8. That is exactly what I was thinking. Can someone look that up on their phone? You are exactly right. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Hermanos míos, considerense muy dichosos cuando tengan que enfrentarse con diversas pruebas, pues ya saben que la prueba de su fe produce constancia. This, okay, this scene, this scene is insane so, on like 18 different levels. I just yeah. want to, I want to tell you why, why it is. One of, I mean, one of them is like, oh, why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there evil and suffering in the world? Do you have an, if, do you have an easy answer to that one? If not, you're a fake fraud, Christian. I mean, that just is so, and like the idea, it's like, well, you know, well, you just look it up in this. Oh, you just look it up. It's answer. just like, oh, why, what, why did this happen? Like, oh, there's a passage for everything. But the worst of all is that there is a miscitation here. All right, if you look up James, if you're like, hey, why, do, why, does, why is there evil and suffer, suffering in the world? Why do natural disasters happen? Uh, uh, and, and someone, what if someone, you did that, and then someone read you this. All right, so why, why did this bad thing happen to my village? For that person must not, must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. <laughs> Maria just like... Maria's like, thank you. Oh, wow. Maria yeah. runs home and gets her dad's gun. Like, like, <laughs> I might as well end it all. 
The actual passage is for his, it's, it's James 1, 2, and 3. That's what they meant. Count it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. That's what she meant. But Morgan Fairchild, who we neglected to mention is in this movie, but you saw, right. the great Morgan Fairchild, uh, you know, it's all like this smug, like, you don't know any better, ha, 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 got you, and there's a miss citation right there. And the other woman doing, that's how I like to cite Bible verses to people is by giving someone else the side eye and doing the, you see, it's like this. <laughs> I'm the good Christian. They're the villains right there. Yeah, they're the villains. Uh, this next clip has nothing to do with the plot, except that I found this delightful. It's very short. Mike clip. enjoys it. We might have to watch it more than one time. She goes back to the village. Uh, she leaves, and she's trying to decide what to do with her life. She goes back to the village. The kids who she didn't teach anything and just spouted her strange English language at love her to death. And uh, just watch how the kids trailing up with this pack of kids who greet her, watch how joyful they are at meeting our heroine. Hi. Guys, want to say hi to Paul? Hey. Hey, you know, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Can we do it one more one time? One more time. <laughs> Their beloved Yay, teacher. Hit whatever. I don't care. She she clearly didn't touch all of their lives. <laughs> anyway, uh, so plot wise, we so gotta, we gotta, we, wrap, we gotta wrap. But it's so yeah. good. But anyways, so um, uh, her and Paul they break up for a while. She uh, uh, she does meet Mister Wright, JC, who she's looking for. Uh, there's another, they like sort of montage her whole like actual conversion story. It's like she goes to the storefront church. Um, it's again, it plays in some other tropes. Um, uh, you know, I would say, but she, 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 she comes to faith, she comes to faith and then she reconnects with Paul who she sort of challenges for being too connected to his parents. And he's like, he rejects that advice, but then finally comes around, goes down, meets her in Mexico. They, they realize, oh, we need to be together. And the movie ends with them walking into a school. And then it just ends on the school shot, Escuela, which is how you want every movie to end with just a shot on a sign of school. Before we get to it, we couldn't put it in the clip, but remember how Paul reacts when she says, you need to, she's teaching him. And he goes, I don't think that's right at all. I mean, I'll pray for you. <laughs> it's this great scene. It's like the, we're going to break up, but I'll pray for you. Oh, it's just very bitter. The most bitter, I'll pray for you. And then she's like, I've been going to this new church. It's so laid back and chill. And he's like, laid back and chill. That's not how I describe you. Yes. It's Paul is awful. Like he is the, he is not a catch. You know? Yeah. Where's the cool youth pastor getting off his motorcycle? Well, at the very end of the very end, not in this part, he, he throws in a line about maybe there's a sushi place around here. Like. Oh, that's right. You ate sushi two hours ago, you idiot. <laughs> but, but Paul, uh, so they get together, Gwenny and Paul end up together, uh, and actually they save the only physical, like, chemistry for the movie till after the credits take place. So, like, the credits have been rolling Which is for how 30 God seconds. Wants it. <laughs> for the degenerates who stick around for 30 seconds after the credits, they get to see this action. And this is sort and of like. They get the... recruited for a Marvel film after that, right? No. <laughs> this is like. And this is sort of the mission statement or like, hey, this is the takeaway. This is the moral of the story. I want you all to listen for the moral of the story. This here. is it. Put a bow on it. This is the elevator pitch. Here we go. Yep. You'll still love me when I start getting old and wrinkly, right? As long as you still love me if I start going bald, right? Start. 
<laughs> really? I used to think I knew it all. I had all the answers and I could spin a lie with the best of them. Now I'm pretty sure I don't know anything. <laughs> Except Jesus is there for us. All we have to do is call his name. And Mr. Wright, he's there too. You just have to reach into your heart and discover what's true. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Um... <laughs> that's the... Uh... That's the 3 a.m. dorm room version of Christian. <laughs> Dude, all you have to do is, like, reach into your heart, man. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> all right, unpack that, Pastor. I can't. I can't. All I can... Uh, uh, that... There's a, yeah, there's nothing to pack. There's nothing to pack away. I think this movie, it has a lot of lessons. You know, sometimes we learn life lessons about what not to do and how not to live and how not to make movies or art. What's up? Or eat sushi. Not how, that's not how you eat sushi at all. Like an alien again. But I would say that, so this teaches us many things. That There's no substitute for telling an actual story. Um, right, right. My, my friend, I have a friend, Doug Tenaple, who's a professor of arts and culture at Houston Baptist. And he, he despises bad art and bad Christian art. And he's like, you're not doing anyone any service at all, not to yourself I think this is an example of it. Like, you did the exact opposite. People are now mocking you. <laughs> this, is, this is bad. Badly done. Other Christians are mocking it even. I mean, I'm sure, look, these people are sincere. I'm sure they thought they were doing something good, despite our having just spent 40 minutes wrapping them up. <laughs> well, this is, listen, a higher standard. You have to be held to account. You put this art out into the world. This is supposed to be a, a tool of evangelism, right, that you're trying to reach people with the gospel, saying that this is something, tr- there's the true, the good, and the beautiful, is, where is that contained in this movie? I think that, uh, you know, staunch atheist Christopher Hitchens, if he had made this movie, it would be a very effective <laughs> yeah, talking it, people out of their faith. It's very subver- it's subversive from the inside. Yes. And it, 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 the way they play these Christians is if they've never met any people who are actually, like, it, it is alien people. It's so strange. And, and I think that a couple things. Uh, one is, uh, one place I've heard this, I think it's very true, that, that Christian is a great noun. Uh, it's a terrible adjective, though. You know, if someone's like, hey, you want to listen to this Christian music? Not that if like worship music, I think is different and and that sort of thing. But if it's or like if you like this secular band, this was very big in the 90s. Like if you like this secular band, you'll love this. Like like blank tried DC talk or whatever. I'm not sure who the secular analog of DC talk was, you know, but like there was always the like, if you like this, you'll love this. And so sort of like the the crappier knockoff version of something mm-hmm. like that's what we can give you, you know, like, yeah. like right. must love dogs. You're going to maybe like. Skillet. <laughs> You're maybe going to like Christian Mingle. And, and then, you know, someone else said that, like, that you, <laughs> it's a somewhat provocative statement, but I think it's true comparing this type of, this type of movie to pornography, right? Like, it's like very low budget, bad acting, no story. And it's sort of like, no, just get to the part where, like, you know, just get to the part where the thing I want to happen happens, which in this case is they, you know, have their conversion moment or whatever. And so it's like, there's no actual story development. It's not actually looking at a true human. Like, there's nothing human about it. People are just objectified to sort of get to a predetermined end that everyone wants to see. It would have been an entirely different evening had we done the movie you were just describing. (laughs) But it's like there's... be packed. Uh, But Uh, there's just like that that is not 
like that 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 is a form of objectific objectification of people as opposed to artistry which is like telling a true something that tells you something true about human beings and and i think that that's what's so frustrating about this movie is it's so like artificial and 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 uh, right you know, these are cardboard cutouts of aliens pretending to be, you know, pretending to be right. humans. And so it's very frustrating when you want to see people making true art that reflects actual human beings, create an image and likeness of God. And, and if you read through scripture, like these are extremely human stories, um, you know, with people who are very fallible and actually real and that you can relate to. And I, and I think that there's a much, you know, higher calling. That's right. Let's prove that point by eating a disgusting food now. Okay. We're real people. Um, My backpack is back by Eric. Eric, in there is a jar. Don't ask us why this is a component of our show, but we do. uh, I have forced the pastor on many occasions to eat my revolting foods that I actually like, and I'm told he brought one for me this evening. They're steak steak. 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 This was sent in by a fan. Oh. Pickled red beet eggs. <laughs> oh, wait. This was sent in by a fan. What is a red beet egg? We're going to find out. colored by beets, but they're eggs? Pickled, well, or I, I don't think the beet, beet. I don't think the beet laid an egg, Mike, but. <laughs> don't ask me. I'm not a Christian. No. I don't even know what that means. It didn't uh, exactly, like, pop like the vacuum seal. Oh, you're spilling it all down your... Who wants to drink this juice? My gosh. Yeah, drink some out of it so we can reach in. Mike, would you like some? No, I don't think I will. I mean, I'll have an egg. You know, hur- hurry up. Oh, just oh, when you reach in and the juice just spills out. That is right. You eat the first half and I'll eat the other half. We'll meet Lady in the Tramp okay, style. Okay. <laughs> Oh, 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 pastor. Sorry. <laughs> the Disney is doing a remake of that one, so can't wait for that. This guy All right. runs a church. <laughs> All right, let's go. Here we go. Okay, here we go. You one, go down the hatch. Three, describe two, it. one. Oh, my gosh. That's weirdly, it's sweet. No, it's dry. If I put it back in here, no one's going to notice. Help yourselves. No. We will be passing this around. Um, Connor, uh, this is the part where you come on stage. Let's bring up Connor Lestoka. He's my co-host for 372 pages, but he's got a word or two to say about Christian Mingle as well because he did his homework and he watched the movie. Hello, Connor. Hello, everybody. Yeah, I was thinking about that, like how weird, you know, it's like the butterfly effect that maybe two years ago, I told you, I was reading a tweet, and I was like, we should do a podcast about this terrible book, Ready Player One. And then because of that, on Monday, I sat my wife down. I was like, we're going to watch the film Christian Mingle, honey. <laughs> Don't ask any questions. But, uh, yeah, it was, like, it was like if you found out that Birth of a Nation was directed by Frederick Douglass or something. <laughs> it's like, why did he do this? <laughs> Why did he? Why did he take? It, why did he make himself look terrible? Um, oh my god! I, but like, I don't understand. There were the people up there that like wanted to be there, like Morgan Fairchild, uh, Stephen Tobolowski. You presume he was there because he wanted to. You know, he had. You know, he probably is a Christian. Corbett Bernson, the star, and then there were the people that had to be there because those guys who were like the husbands. 
Like, they're not getting cast in <laughs> non-Christian Mingle, Corbin Burnson-directed <laughs> movies. Those guys are like, yeah, I guess this is what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, but, like, the main guy, like, I just felt bad for him. I don't know. You felt bad for I him? Felt, I felt, felt bad for Paul? I felt bad for the actor. I just felt like he doesn't have a lot going on. He was in, like, you know, web series and stuff, and now he's in this Oh, well, Connor, that man is here tonight. We'd like to introduce <laughs> you to Paul. Paul Wood! <laughs> what do you mean I don't have anything going on? I'm doing, I'm doing something out at Chanhass and Dinner Theater? Like, come on, man. Remember, yeah, we, it, we did a, uh, just a parenthetical, we did a movie once, Time Chasers, for Riff Tracks, so we're making fun of this movie, and the cast of it came to the theater. And during it, we're like, this guy is not an attractive guy. We're making fun of him. Like, he's got a, uh, his ass looks, his chin looks like an ass, you know. And I'm on the stage. I can see the guy right there. He's going, bad feeling. It's true. I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> Afterwards, he's like, thanks, guys. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, people were coming up to them after the theater, like shaking their hands, getting pictures. And you just have to imagine he's sitting there. Sorry, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It looks like an ass. But they, they also, the couple gave off a very strong uh, Rod and Birdemic, Rod and Natalie and Birdemic energy. Because sure. you have a woman who is way out of his league, clearly, and then you have a guy who, like, it looks like he's having trouble walking and talking at the same time. <laughs> and so, like, it, it, again, of all the things to, to harp on in the movie, uh, you know, how unrealistic it is, right. how she was... How the mom, I think, was, was poor. You'd think she's the villain, but I think she was the only one. You know, she was being honest. She sniffed out a traitor. She protected the family's interest and the business interest. You saw a different movie. You than totally I saw. You saw a very different movie. I like that you say, you know, gosh, I, I feel sorry for that actor. He was doing his best. And then five minutes of, that guy sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he never gets another web series again. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> unfair, harsh but fair. All right. Well, well, Dave, I think we're there's. I have take some your remaining masticated egg <laughs> off the. I, I I couldn't swallow it. It's so horrible. But I will wash my hands, folks. So don't worry. If uh, if we shake hands after the show, I won't have beet juice, my own saliva, and portions of a. Did you partially actually spit some of it out into your? I hand? spit all that I bit into my hand, Mike, and I won't be shamed. <laughs> Mike, I didn't like it. I guess I'm more of a chili cheese dog yeah. guy myself. There he goes. Drops the mic. David Berge, David Berge. David Berge. He is off to the nearest tasty freeze to sit behind it and suck on a chili dog. Uh, we get a little bit of our theme song yeah. just to get people warmed up, right? Let's do it. Huh? Connor, dance. No. Oh, <laughs> If you go to Wikipedia, it says music composed by Connor Lestoka. And that well, is, I don't know. Well, well, well. Yes, this is 372 pages we'll never get back. Uh, I'm Mike Nelson. I'm Connor Lestoka, and uh, this is a podcast about books that we are probably going to hate. And we promise this is recording this time. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So we started this with uh, Ernest Klein's book, as you said, Ready Player One. Yeah, and I think that our conversation from last time we performed here about Battletoads ended about five minutes before I walked in the door. Right. <laughs> it was a highlight of the evening, because you went for it. 
Not what a single you know? Battletoad fan in here. No, it was, it was good. Uh, and since then, we have done six books. We did, well, we did two Ernest Klein books, and now we are on our, well, on our ninth book, yeah. We're, we're going to be reading, uh, we have, you know, I started it on the plane, but we're reading The Lair of the White Worm by Bram Stoker. He wrote another book from Dracula, and evidently it is quite bad. Yes. It's Dracula's B-side, and, and no one listens to it, so we thought, what better book for us to read? Uh, before, we, before we run down what else we've covered, I want to do a little, uh, little crowd work. If you, would you mind taking notes? Oh, so sure. I can, so I can speak. Of course. This will make sense midway through what we're going to do, but for, for now it'll be a, a fun, little, fun, little, fun little game. Uh, from this side of the room, this side of the room, uh, was, what letter does your dad's name start with? J. J. Uh, how about from over here? Uh, or, I guess anyone, anyone Rift Tracks fans here? Anyone? Okay. What's the, the worst movie that we've ever covered on Rift Tracks? Roller Gator. It's the second time Roller Gator has come up. Uh, uh, from this side of the room, what's an animal that you hate? Birds. Bird? <laughs> no, not expecting to hear birds. Any specific bird? Like, I hate mocking birds. All birds. All birds. Uh, those flamingos disturbed. are really the, the... Those are uh, the ones I hate the most. Uh, from, from anywhere, what's a place you wouldn't bring a dog? Here. Here, to the Sisyphus Brewing Company. And what's a song over here that you really dislike? Anyone? Who's Blinded by the Light by Bruce Springsteen? Well, all right. Okay. Uh, birds and Blinded by the Light getting served on stage. All right, that'll make sense eventually. Great, Connor. Thanks for that. <laughs> Dig that hole. No, I'm kidding. All right, so uh, let's run down. Our general topic is what makes a bad book, because I don't think we're experts. We've read, you know, seven or eight books now. But there is a common... I mean, totally, yes. I'm not talking about on the podcast. Uh, and some of them are graphic novels, oh, so yeah. I'm cheating. Uh, so I, was, I got, a, got a beer from the bar, and they, on, the, on the back of the coasters, there is a quote from Albert Camus. It says, The struggle itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart. One must imagine Sisyphus happy. And I read that, and I was like, why don't we read good books? <laughs> Why do, why do we subject ourselves to these awful pieces of garbage uh, instead of reading things that would enrich our, you know, mind and spirit? Who's going to listen to that yeah, podcast, so. you know? Uh, so one of the first books we took on was, uh, uh, we did an elevator pitch of it today, so I'm going to do it in the same style. Uh, I'm a 16-year-old kid. I've, I've read one book in my life, and that book is Conan the Barbarian. Now, my book is about a barbarian. Um, his name is Grigner. And uh, I should mention that I don't know what words mean, so I'm going to be reaching to the thesaurus a lot and trying to triangulate. And, uh, and so I'm going to tell the story now. And I have a, a little bit of a reading for you. Sure. Give you a little flavor. Um, from The Eye of Argon by Jim Tice. This is a real book. It was written by a 16-year-old boy in the 70s. As Grignar lifted the girl from the altar, her arms wound dexterously about his neck, soft and smooth against his harsh exterior. Art thou pleased that we have chanced to meet once again? Grignar merely voiced and sighed grunt. <laughs> Returning the damsel's embrace while he smothered her trim, delicate lips between the coursing protrusions of his reeking maw. <laughs> Let us take leave of this wretched chamber, stated Grignar, as he placed the female upon her feet. 
She swooned a moment, causing Grignar to give her support, then regained her stance. Art thou able to find your way through the accursed passages of this castle? Murfic! He, he just made up a name there. <laughs> Every one of the corridors of this damned place are identical. I, I was at one time a slave of the Prince Arafim. His clammy touch sent a sour swill through my belly, but my efforts reaped a harvest. I gained the pig's liking, whereby he allowed me to have freedom of the palace. It was through this means that I eventually managed to escape of the palace. It was a simple matter to seduce the sentry at the western gate. His trust found with a dagger through his ribs, the wench stated whimsicorically. <laughs> so, that's, so that's a bad book. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I have found myself stating too many things whimsicorically lately. Yes. I need to cut it back. Yes. But yeah, so that is, that is a very bad book. And my, my theory, and we can, we can trace this through uh, the other books we've done, uh, is that uh, David touched on it at the end of the thing. He said these are like, these are like alien cutouts pretending to be people. Yeah. And to me, that is what makes the bad books as bad as they are. They are not representations of any recognizable human activity. Yes. <laughs> uh, for example, using words like whimsicorically, or uh, describing a kiss by uh, the coursing protrusions of his reeking mom. <laughs> for example. He also described a wench having a lithe, opaque nose. Which, <laughs> which I mean, you know, to kind of credit, it's like, poetic. The last time you saw a, a translucent nose, I, I know. that would freak you out. It would. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, so after after then, so yeah, we talked we talked on the phone today with uh, uh, John Hodgman, who was a former literary agent. He we, we pitched him that book, and he said, "Well, yeah, that book sounds very interesting. I would have represented that book if it was, yeah. you know, a sixteen year old with a prodigious thesaurus, like you know, yeah, it was up yeah. his alley." The yeah. next book he was not interested in that was Tech War, uh, written by William Shatner and his ghostwriter Ron Goulart, yes. or as uh, I think Mike deemed them, Shatlart. <laughs> Yes. And this book, the, the, the thing about it that, is, that no human being would accept is that he, our, 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 our lead character was a detective who is, in theory, searching for a crashed, plane crash scientist and his insanely hot daughter. Yeah. Uh, he, do, he goes about this by sitting in one meeting after another, listening to them talk about two guys named Bennett Sands and Sonny Hakori. You do not meet Bennett Sands and Sonny Hikori until the final ten pages of the book. <laughs> That's right. Where they are then killed in approximately three paragraphs after they are introduced. Yeah. And this is, this guy's like, he's like the ace detective. He's like the guy that like nobody, you know, they, they need him on the force. He's the only one that can crack this. So he goes and sits in a meeting. Yeah. It's like we once screened a movie that Connor wanted to do for a riff track. So it was called Piranha Piranha. Uh, there were zero piranhas in Piranha Piranha. <laughs> so he's like, huh? That's the selling point. I'm like, yeah, after two hours, people go, oh, I get it. There's no piranhas. <laughs> so that was a thumbs down. He still, uh, he resents it very much. We should have done Piranha Piranha. <laughs> There's no piranhas. Uh, the next book we did was... Uh, oh, no, do give a quote from uh, the Tech War. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so one of the, one of the greatest uh, moments of Tech War, they... Cause, it's this sort of like serious story. There's murders, there's drug addiction, like society's fallen into disrepair. And then there are things that are supposed to be funny, like robot pimps. And the greatest part of the book was when a sentence ended with the phrase, said the robot pimp disdainfully. Yes. 
And so we played a game on the podcast where we found other passages and just tacked that on to the end of them to see how much it would improve them. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, said the robot pimp disdainfully. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the robot pimp disdainfully. <laughs> Good night, stars. Good night, air. Good night, noises everywhere, said the robot pimp disdainfully. So yeah, it does. It improves every sentence. In yeah. so, so credit to the man there. He's on to something there, yes. Uh, then we went to this insane book that was written by, and this one is the, your phenomenon of this has to be an alien. We were sent this book. It was uh, self-published. Can you give the whole title? I don't think I can. I cannot. It. It, uh, it is the case of the, uh, the certified public accountant and the case of the cremated 64 squares records. Or something. Financial, Financial statements. <laughs> <laughs> the author, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> love the cover work that you did on that. <laughs> so yeah, this is like if an alien uh, you know, decided that he was going to edit, there's like a simple version of Wikipedia that's meant, I think, for non-English speakers. And so this is as if an alien decided to pick up on human behavior by purely editing that, that document. Yeah, I mean, this is a book that you read it and you go, oh, well, the person who wrote this is not right in the head. And so this is not fair. But we looked him up and he's He's, you know, his Facebook is there. He's just a dude writing books. He is an accountant. He's, a, he's achieved three financial certifications. He plays, like, trombone in the church choir or something. Yes. Uh, he doesn't like sushi. Wait, this is Paul. <laughs> so, no, he's a real guy, and he's a functioning human being, so we thought, all right, we can have at this. But why don't you re read a little, give him a little taste of that. So, yeah, so in terms of uh, how... You know, you recognizable human behavior. This is this passage is devoid of anything. Uh, this is uh, him talking about a guy who's going to help in his investigation, uh, a guy named Quick Swift. Uh, he thinks this is not in this passage, but he he thinks Quick might be a nickname, short for Quicken or QuickBooks. <laughs> and so keep that in mind. He thinks Quick might be a nickname, and yet he knows all this about him. Quick Swift went to college after graduating from high school. Checks out. <laughs> he was an excellent singer, so he majored in music. He spent his years in college singing in plays, singing at singing concerts, singing in a church choir, and he sang every chance that he could. After graduating from college with his singing degree, <laughs> Quick Swift decided that he wanted to be a professional singer. Quick Swift packed up his belongings and headed in the direction of his favorite singer. That destination was Nashville, Tennessee, the home of the Grand Ole Opry. Who do you think the singer was? Well, I was like, is his favorite singer the Grand Ole Opry? <laughs> Quick. It could, have been, uh, it could have been Mark Cohn and Quick Swift was just very confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only problem is that the supply of singers is greater than the demand for singers. <laughs> That also checks out. Yes. <laughs> uh, while Quick Swift was looking for singing jobs, he had to work as a waiter. Like every other profession, it is hard to get great-paying singing jobs. <laughs> After two years of not getting a singing job with high pay, Quick Swift, Quick Swift decided to sell insurance. <laughs> Quick Swift had a great voice, so he decided that he would use his voice to be able to pay his bills and to be able to eat better. So yeah, a tale as old as time. 
Why do you want to work here at Rift Tracks? Well, I want to have money to eat better. <laughs> All right, you're hired. I like the cut of your jib. And then, uh, yeah. So that was, you know, the, the book most devoid of recognizable, recognizable human behavior until we got to Bob Honey Who Just Do Stuff by Sean Penn. Ooh, yeah. The less said about this, the better. Uh, this is a slog. This is an ugly book. Yes. Very ugly. Uh, very, very hard to read. Very hard to enjoy. Yes. He did not have... He, I, I don't want to slander the man, but he does not seem to have a high opinion of women. <laughs> Every woman in the book was drunk and had lipstick smeared on her teeth. Yes. Like, who are you hanging around with? <laughs> Uh, but so yeah, we, we can, have no quotes on that. No, one. no quotes from that. The less about it, the better, as you said. Uh, the next book was The Mister. The Mister was a book by E.L. James, the author of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And it involved characters who had the most mercurial opinions of each other. They were in love with each other, and then five seconds later, they were convinced that the other person hated them as much as could be. Yeah. Like they were lying in bed, like moments after, uh, you know, getting busy. And then they were like, I think he hates me. Yeah. <laughs> like from his villa in like, you know, Cornwall Shire that he had like staffed with servants and like begged her to come to. And she's like, he must loathe me. I'm so <laughs> <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> uh, she was uh, an Albanian woman. She had escaped from like a sex slave ring and she made her way to this millionaire's house. But through it, we got a lot of facts about Albania. <laughs> and uh, so for the first fact, it was, it was like... Albanians do not use seat belts. Like, all right, that's weird. <laughs> Connor goes online, do Albanians wear seat belts? And he goes to a site called Facts King. Facts King was uh, clearly the author's source for the idea that Albanians do not wear seat yeah, belts. Yeah, did it have like a star field background? Yes, and, uh, it, was, like, it, white was a, it was an under construction sign and a, and a <laughs> rotating mailbox. And uh, it was part of the uh, Albania Facts web ring. <laughs> So she went there, and that's the only, every fact that she put in the book about Albanians. Like, in Albania, the women don't walk down the street. Yeah. Really? And then you go to Fax King, it's like, that Fax King says it, so I guess we have to take it at face value. We have two so, bits yeah. of information about Albania. At some point in time, you, you, know, you heard that like, teachers were sick and tired of their students citing Wikipedia in things. They wanted like a hard source, and so I imagine... By now, teachers are sick and tired of Fax King getting cited in their like, report about the Reformation or yeah. you know, Martin Luther King type of thing. We read that the author, in order to research it, did go to Albania and stayed in her hotel room and looked up Fax King, I think is how it all went down. Uh, so that was the mister. Yeah. And then we just finished reading Trucking Through Time, which was a book written by a grandfather who drove the equipment truck for Tennessee University. Uh, and then he decided to write a time about two truckers who travel back in time, uh, save Sitting Bull, and uh, prevent a uh, war with the Sioux tribe and the U.S. government. And how many times do you... <laughs> and we did not make that up. Unfortunately, he was a little off on his facts. Yes. He, uh, by 50 years yeah. or so. I mean, give or take. He was citing James Garfield off by half a century. President James Garfield sent a telegram the year he was born in this book. <laughs> but, you know, it was supposed to be sort of a, uh, I don't know, it was sort of an earnest book about, um, you know, we, we mistreated the, the Native Americans, and there was a lot of talk of, like, who's the real savage here, huh? About 16 times in the book. Yes. But then what happens immediately, they capture the, the Native American tribe that they are staying with and sympathize with, capture a guy, and 
I'll, but, I'll let you describe the scene. <laughs> so again, written by Charles E. Harris, a 65, probably 70-year-old grandfather, a beloved man in the community. Uh, they capture this guy. They take him over to an area of the Sioux uh, compound that they uh, call the torture pole. Which raises the question, what happens over there? <laughs> uh, and then they scalp him, and then they slice his wang off. <laughs> and throw it on the fire. Who's the real savage here? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you just have to imagine that that was, uh, that was the point, that Charles E. Harris's grandsons decided they did not need the family inheritance and uh, yeah. were going to be changed their name to, uh, you know, Charles E. Thompson III. We always imagine him doing the family reading and, like, closing the last page of the book and looking up in the family. <laughs> I'll put the turkey back in the oven. And we'll... <laughs> so, yeah, that is, so that's what we do here. Yes. Um, and... Our next book, as we said, is uh, Kurt Lair of the White Worm. Mm -hmm. Very poorly reviewed. But I thought that we should take a look at uh, the tastes of some of the people who have reviewed it poorly. Okay, yes. Just to make sure that it's not just like a, a hit piece that people mm -hmm. are pulling on Bram Stoker 150 years after he died. Right. So I, uh, I took the, uh, the, the review, the most, the most liked review on Amazon of uh, Lair of the White Worm. Okay. And I have isolated reviews uh, that the, the person also wrote. So she did not like Wear, Lair of the White Worm. She okay. gave it one star and said, a hot mess of a book that is only read because its author is famous. Okay. So I have maybe seven more things that I'd like you to guess right, star right. rating for the uh, for these Okay, questions. if she doesn't like Bram Stoker, will she like these things? Exactly. Okay. Uh, Angela's Ashes. <laughs> um. the, uh, the memoir, I think, Frank McCourt. Uh, five stars. Four stars. Good, but too sad to endure for long. Okay. <laughs> a yerba mate, silicone gourd, and bombilla combo in red <laughs> lily cover color. <laughs> well, I mean, she hated Lair of the White Worm, so naturally. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, great product, fast delivery. <laughs> Uh, then you have Marvel's Avengers Infinity War, The Hero's Journey, Road to Avengers Infinity War, Kindle Edition. Uh, three stars, too long. One star, Shameless Rechefe. Rechefe. It's a, it is a word I had never encountered before. I, I don't know. So, <laughs> so that, is, that is her opinion of it. Okay. It is a shameless Rechefe. It's my new Ogden. <laughs> Uh, a uh, Chris Cornell art print, 8 by 10 inches signed, a, a painting of the singer of Soundgarden. <laughs> I assume it's signed by the painter and not him. Uh, five stars. Five, this guy is better than Bram Stoker any five day. Five stars. Best gift I gave this past Christmas. The woman I bought this for nearly cried when she received it. <laughs> I thought you were getting me something good. <laughs> Mia Soul women's vintage style embroidered evening party swing dress. Not swingers dress, just five stars. Five stars. Beautiful dress needs no ironing. <laughs> Here we go. This really getting a picture of this person now. <laughs> well, wait, wait, wait for this one. Alasiva nail fungus stop antifungal <laughs> nail pen against discoloration, brittle, and cracked nails. So she's sitting there reviewing all this stuff with her thick, horny toenails, just her, uh, and a reeking maw. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say two stars. My toes are still yellow. Five stars. This works, and I, I am highly recommended. <laughs> this stuff works. All caps. I have had toenail fungus for 20 years. 
tried all sorts of remedies without any result. This stuff may smell, it may burn, but it kills the toenail fungus. <laughs> so for anyone out there. And what better way to follow that up than okay. the adventures of Huckleberry Finn? <laughs> Two stars. One star. <laughs> Aimless and mean. I really enjoyed Tom Sawyer, expecting more of the same from Huck Finn. Alas, if the N-word troubles you, you'll want to stay well clear of this. But that's a mere aside. <laughs> My real compl complaint with this story is its pointlessness. Mm. <laughs> Eat my toenails, Mark Twain. <laughs> so yeah, so, uh, you know, a, a rich portrait. <laughs> Fascinating. Now, look, we don't want to only make fun of other writers. Yes. We want to make fun of ourselves. Yes. And Connor... Take it away. We have an audio-visual uh, uh, component of this show, uh, just like the last one did. Uh, we can get the slides up. I'm gonna, so, yeah, we make fun of a lot of bad writers. These are not the writers we've made fun of. These are cute high school girls. Uh, but So we are going to share some stuff that we've written that is, that is, in many ways, just as bad, even worse. Uh, so this is uh, girls who went to my high school. Uh, we took a trip to Spain between junior, uh, sophomore and junior year of high school. So we're all 16 years old. Uh, at you know, at the time, these were girls that I you know found attractive, uh, you know, wanted to hang out with. And what better way to do that than to write a love poem to all ten of them, <laughs> slip it under their door, and uh, you know, maybe things will work out. <laughs> and it was sort of like it was a sort of thing that's like, this is a joke, you know, unless you're into it. Um, but so, to, to, just to set the stage, though, like, you know, these are all, you know, cute, cute people. Um, next slide, we can show, like, they came to Spain prepared, like, evening dresses. They like going out to clubs. Next slide. Like, they were, like, you know, put together and nice and pretty. Uh, and then the other guys I went on this trip with, like, we're also good friends. We can see the next slide. Uh, so that's Brian. He was the class president. <laughs> Varsity wrestler. Uh, uh, he's organizing our 20-year reunion as we speak. Uh, next slide. That's Tino, also a wrestler, good-looking dude, uh, just the life of every party. Next slide. That's Peter. Looks like he got his photo taken by Andy Warhol. Uh, and let's see what I was working with. So that's me asleep on the tour bus. Uh, the ladies uh, not pictured in the seat next to me. I had them both myself. Let's see another picture. Uh, there's me with a, a stray dog on the streets of Sevilla. Uh, I posted this picture on Twitter today being like, I thought I could pull off the, the guy from Cypress Hill look with the bucket hat. And people are like, you look like Gilligan mixed with Eddie Dezen, who I had not heard of. <laughs> Dezen. Dezen. Yeah. Anyway, not flattering. Uh, next picture. And so that is the shirt that I wore in Spain as well. So, so this, is, this is important to know when you hear this poem. <laughs> Uh, that, 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 that was me at, at age uh, 16 or 17. So we have here, uh, ye old poem de amor. <laughs> the images of Spain, the fuentes, fountains, the streets, pale compared to your beauty so sweet. The wind in your hair, the smiles on your face have kept all our eyes locked firmly in place. Um, so clearly they did not read past that part, because that's creepy. Uh, we think of you as angels, God's gift from above, so let us embark on this venture of love. Are you getting to your coursing maw soon here? 
So then we, then we, then we individually, uh, that guy Tino and another guy helped me with this, but I think this was all pretty much my doing. Lara, we marvel at your long golden hair. In fact, when Lourdes was talking about the tree and the bear, I think that was some local legend, you distracted us, and so we don't know this fable. So why not come back to our room and dance on our table? <laughs> you, you creep. That's, that's not getting any better. So, so for this next one, the, Debbie is a, was a girl who played on the uh, high school softball team. That's important. And this was 1997, I think. So Austin Powers had just came out. <laughs> Debbie, perfection. Too modest a word. To give you less credit would just be absurd. Your grip on a softball must be awful tight. We'll, we'll shag you rottener than those apples last night. Oh. You, you sure you want to read on? Uh, this next person was a swimmer. As we watched Lauren's body glide through the water... What? It hasn't gotten to the bad part. We sure have the feeling that nothing is hotter. If you want to be my lover, you got to get with my friends. Don't swim too deep or else you'll get the bends. Helpful advice. As I saw Kara's face when I awoke in the morn, I realized the true reason I had been born oh. was to pleasure you often. Oh, way, whoa. Steamy and hot. Then you will see all the Mads lovin's I got. Is this what your rapping was like, Dave? Uh, this was about a girl who had a boyfriend on the trip, so we were not pleased about that. Claire, hanging on to you this whole trip has been that little monkey, which hasn't given us much time to get funky. But as soon as he's gone, when that gremlin departs, we'll show you all the true love of our hearts. That's not bad. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> Andrea, since we've started this trip, you've taken control of my mind. I can't wait to hear the, hit that dance floor and bump and grind. Your body's so nice, so slender and fine. Good Lord, we just made all four lines rhyme. <laughs> little, little meta poetry. Nope, nope. This next woman was the, uh, the teacher's daughter who was on the trip, so her mom was there. <laughs> Jen Dent, right up there with the best. Gee golly, have your parents been blessed. Because of our immense fear of your mother... We will have to write this verse just like your brother. You are very pretty and nice. That's your best work, I think, yeah. <laughs> and this is the last one. I lost the last page of this somewhere in the past 22 years. But tonight in the city, Heather's eyes were sparkly. On Sesame Street, the big dog's name is Barkley. But Barkley, you're not. You're a fine-looking honey. We wouldn't trade you in for any amount of money. Was that in your wedding vows? <laughs> <laughs> now, it's funny you should mention that. Because, let's get a group shot next. So we have there. You can see me, obviously. But let's enhance that. Enhance that picture. So uh, M, Shyam M. Night Shyamalan twist. Next slide. Yeah. That was Lauren the swimmer. So it worked, Mike. <laughs> Not your best work. <laughs> then she found that poem, and unfortunately your marriage ended in oh, yeah, shambles. Yeah. Christian Mingo was the last straw. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I can write terrible stuff too, folks. <laughs> well done. Well done.
Uh, I've, I, I don't think I've ever written anything, you know, terrible or mock-worthy at all. So uh, we're going to have a, a guest person come up now. Uh, uh, Bridget, Bridget Nelson, are you available to tell your story of bad writing? <laughs> Grab a mic right there. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me up Welcome, here. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Um, is, is this thing on? Yes? I think okay. so. Yeah, well, good. Okay, well, I think I'll start. Um, uh, you know, Mike and I just recently went on a European vacation for our 30th wedding anniversary. Thank you so much. But, you know, what he doesn't, well, what he does know, but, you know, I did go to Europe in 1982, and that really kind of was a better trip. Oh. So, um... Understood. I just thought everyone loves a, a, a good travel writer. We all love our, um, what's that guy's name, Steve? Steinbeck. Yeah, right, right. So we all love that, so I thought I would give you just a little bit. I went to Europe with 10 people from Cathedral High School and Sister Michaela Fuchs, OSB, Order of St. Benedict. Um, I didn't get my picture in time to do the thing. But anyway, I'll just begin. <clears throat> I'll just randomly begin. We were allowed to go shopping. The shops were nice, but not quite as elite as I had hoped. I imagine those will come in Paris and London. Move right ahead a little bit. <clears throat> um, uh, let me see. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's hard to see up here. So um, we got to our hotel late because we got lost, but it was worth it because it was very nice. Dinner was gross, but after, <laughs> we all went to the lounge and had some beers. Also, we started to get to know the kids from the other school. It's really strange because this is a travel journal. Um, it's really strange because they're all like different from us. They like different music and they have different pastimes. But I guess they're okay. <laughs> it was quite really late and everybody got pretty drunk. I was, <laughs> See, I was talking to Alex, our tour director, for a while. And he's an interesting person. But he thinks a little too much of himself, so that makes him a bit aloof. And he is the kind of person that you have to play games with, you know? Because if you talk to him too much, he kind of gets sick of you. And, well, anyway, sometimes he makes you feel like you're saying too many things and that you're dumb. But um, he makes you feel that way. Anyway, I'd like to get to know him better and tell him how great America is. <laughs> Sounds like you were boring the hell out of Alex. Oh, look, Rich, there you go. Oh, there it is. There's... That's Sister Michaela Fuchs, OSB. I think that's uh, Frank Conniff in the habit there, isn't it? <laughs> and her French was so bad, she'd always just go, Vite, 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 Brigitte. Vite, vite, vite. Quick, quick, quick. And that, well, anyway. All right, okay. So moving right along, um, uh, I want to get here. Okay. <clears throat> It feels great to get out of Germany. I mean, it was really pretty, but in a way, the people gave me the creeps. <laughs> Pam and Lisa felt the same as I, and so we talked most of the way to Lucerne. On the way to Lucerne, we started getting into some huge mountains that are called the Swiss Alps. <laughs> now, and here's where the travel log, really, where you're really going to want to visit. They were so beautiful, I couldn't believe it. They just stand there so big and proud looking. Yet they aren't scary like I thought they would be. I started getting sick, so I took a Dramamine. Which was dumb, because it made me cranky. Well, we got to Lucerne, and my God, was it gorgeous. Beautiful. Mountains surrounding with a river running through it, and a lake. 
The hotel was right on the river and close to shopping, and there were bridges covered and walkways all loaded with flowers. It was so extraordinarily beautiful. We went on a tour of the town, and it's small, but has a lot of people. All the buildings are from the 13th and 14th century. You want to go? After we got home, we went to McCheaper, a play on McDonald's. It was good. When we, back, when we got back, all hell broke loose. I was really getting sick and mad at Lisa. <laughs> and that's all I can read from my travel journal, but I, I can read more personally if you'd like, so thank you. Thank you, Bridget. Um, thank you. I like how you had to remind yourself that McCheeps was a play on McDonald's. <laughs> on McDonald's. Future me, if you ever forget this, here's what they're doing. It's a McDonald's <laughs> thing. And then two years later, I graduated from high school, and we had a big party, and I got all sorts of gifts from all of my mom and dad's friends. And um, one particular, and of course, I had to write my thank you notes. And um, one particular thank you note really. Um, really caught the heart and well actually she um, called my mom Dar I've got to tell you about Bridget's thank you note so she read it and I had wanted you know, I want to be a good writer I want to use words and so I wrote dear Millie thank you for the pen and pencil set it was totally uncalled for <laughs> <laughs> I thought it meant you know like it was just like I don't know Millie where the hell do you get off giving me a pen and pencil set <laughs> Anyway, back to the real writers. Thank you, Bridge. So, Connor, you uh, you picked up your career. You uh, after the poetry, you mastered that art form. And then what happened? <laughs> well, I was telling you before this that I've I've shared stuff on stage before, stuff that's you know embarrassing things from your past. Um, and once I did it, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. And I was, like, nervous. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel right now. <laughs> Forge ahead. I, I have an a essay I wrote. Um, I, I, in, in high school, you saw me there. Two years after that, I got, me and my friend Justin got a, uh, week, a monthly column in the school paper. They had a, put out a monthly paper, TJ Today. Um, and we would, it was called Connor and Justin Waste Your Time. Uh, and that was very accurate. Uh, and essentially, by that point in time, I, there were two things in my life that it had formed my comedy, and they were Dave Barry, the sure. columnist, and The Simpsons. And so the, these columns were essentially poorly done versions of both of those things. Okay. <laughs> and on this one, um, you know, we, we make fun of, of Ernest Klein a lot, but that's because we think we're better than him, and we think our interests are, are you know, superior to his. So, so this is about video games. Okay. <laughs> um, and I'm going to read it, and you can interject whenever you see fit. Like with a firm stop doing yes, this? You can yes. tell me okay. to settle down. All you right. can, uh, but yeah, it, it really gets bad towards the end. So, uh, I will not be attending school on November 23rd. I realize that is a moot point since many of you will be absent for one reason. So in high school, <laughs> just getting back to, to me, I guess I am glad the internet did not exist and preserve all this stuff. Cause I think like the term now is edgelord for a kid who tries to do something to sort of get a reaction. Um, you know, being like, oh, that was offensive and not learning that this is not the same thing as comedy. So you're doing a lot of covering your bases <laughs> before you read this. So 
Let's hear what this is. I will not be attending school on November 23rd. I realize this is a moot point, since many of you will be absent for one reason or another, be it observing Dom DeLuise's 33rd wedding anniversary, or Andy DiMartino, the, the handsome wrestler's right to choose party. But mine is a much more noble reason. Call it a journey, call it a quest, call it a legend. In fact, call it anything other than what it is because it sounds kind of pathetic. I'm going to Adam Zachary's house to sit around in my underwear all day, eat beer nuts, pretend not to check out his mom, and more importantly, play his pre-ordered copy of Zelda 64, The Ocarina of Time. Right? All right. Yeah. I've won him over. You got him back. That's all it takes. That's what Klein does. (laughs) Goldeneye, huh? Uh, And as lame and nerdy a reason to skip school as this sounds, I guarantee you that an all-day-long session of Nintendo is the perfect lame and nerdy activity to fill an even-block day right before the holidays. The premise of every Zelda game is simple, yet this one promises to be the greatest ever. Link must rescue the Triforce from the evil Ganon in order to preserve order in the mystical land of Hyrule. Along the way, he encounters Octoroks, Tektikes, and Dodongos, all of whom he overcomes to triumph in the end. How could something this childish, this simple, become something I have chosen to participate in instead of the suggested activity on December 25th, observing a holiday known as Christmas? My Nintendo obsession, parentheses, fetish sounds so dirty, began in the third grade. My parents decided not to cave in and buy me a Nintendo, which is the worst choice a parent can possibly make. My friends who own Nintendo used it occasionally, but on the whole, the novelty was gone and the Nintendo gathered dust. Until I came over. I would get worked up into a frenzy. (laughs) Keep going. I would get worked up into a frenzy, usually reserved for uneducated Central Americans who have discovered a picture of the Messiah on their mule's hide. Take that from you and we'll just end the show right now. Okay, thanks everyone. I mean the podcast and everything, we're done. Uh, So this paper printed this. It's mostly on them. So, so this was a dare? You were... uh, at sleepovers and birthday parties, I was the one who would stay up all night to pack as much video game madness as I could into those precious hours before I had to go home and return to the world I knew, the world of church and social interactions and relieving myself. Every single sentence paints a darker picture of you as a human being. Those are the three needs. Uh, but even at home, my head would race with thoughts of the next opportunity to play Nintendo. Fast forward eight years, I am now a high school senior. I am a national merit semifinalist. I have convinced numerous family, friends, relatives, and juries that I am a mature, sane human being. But nothing has changed. That is, in fact, an inaccurate statement. One thing has changed. I now own a Nintendo, a classic 8-bit Nintendo complete with light zapper, power pad, and Zelda 1 and 2 game cartridges. Plans are in order to purchase a Nintendo 64, but allow me to now digress into witty remarks about Nintendo games. As, <laughs> I, hope the, yes. I hope the mics picked up the, the grumble of, of, oh my god, is this going on from the crowd? So now it gets sort of sand to me. Folks, as far as I see it, there are three kinds of games. There are, there are the Legend of Zeldas of the Nintendo world, the games you could stay up all night obsessing over trivialities such as the location of the blue ring while overlooking details such as the power switch on Grandpa's respirator. The, <laughs> There are, of course, the sporting games, Blades of Steel, Tecmo Bowl, and RBI Baseball, for example, the cause of so much conflict and needless death between male friends. 
And there are the Met Mario-esque adventure games like Castlevania and Contra, all for which contain, for some reason, creatures named Goombas. <laughs> Males have an instant bond towards the Nintendo. These are the last two paragraphs. How long are the paragraphs? And, and, the, <laughs> and, the, and the editor, this is, this is like the th thing we handed to my editor. Her name was Stephanie Batten. Um, she wrote, uh, bracketed this entire paragraph and said, I don't know. <laughs> Males have an instant bond towards the Nintendo. Guys of all ages can sit down, forget all wrongdoing and animosity, and discover all new wrongdoing and animosity on the TV screen. This universal ability is what makes Nintendo such a great thing to have at a party, and is also why more girls hate that lovable plumber Mario more than Rush Limbaugh, former president Lyndon B. Johnson, and my neighbor Fred Babicki combined. When the Nintendo gets switched on at a party, the girls have to retreat to the corner and engage in conversation because girls are never allowed to play. There are two reasons for this. That's right, right. Uh, uh. One is that if a guy ever happened to lose to a girl at Nintendo, his life would be over, literally. It would be admitting that the entire women's rights movement has triumphed over mankind. So, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> the boys were very hot, and uh, Taylor was a. <laughs> so instead of allowing this possibility to exist, it's as easily dismissed as women's desires to vote and have equal careers. Pickled egg, anyone? <laughs> The second reason they are not allowed to play is that, quite simply, girls stink at Nintendo. Why is this? this so this paragraph, the last one she said, I don't know. This one she just says, all caps, no. And you wrote stat on it? <laughs> yes. Okay, print it. Why is this? Girls never had any sort of opportunity when they were little, while boys were sharing codes and secrets with each other and staying up all night, teaming up to beat the game. I think this was mostly Justin at this point in time. Writing. <laughs> Girls were talking behind their friends' backs <laughs> in, in whiny, shrill voices about things we don't care about. <laughs> He's reading on, ladies and gentlemen. He's reading on. But it's not as if video games were catering to girls in the first place. There was one girl that appeared in a video game who hadn't been captured by the evil boss. Right? I mean, that's on them. And then parenthetical, why did they go along with Bowser? He's a giant turtle, for God's sakes. It's not like he's the ice cream man. And Ganon, he was a pig with wings. If a girl goes off with him, she deserves the torturous fate that awaits her. <laughs> this one girl was the lead character in the game Metroid, but it wasn't revealed she was a girl until you beat the game in the hardest way possible, a near impossibility. After you win, the hero Samus removes her helmet to reveal long, flowing hair. Then while the credits roll proceeds to cook a turkey dinner for Mario, Link, Donkey Kong, and Simon Belmont. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> so the sadness balloon just deflates. So you were just like a, a horny little weirdo, huh? <laughs> People's moms. I, I'm, I, uh, I'm, I'm canceled. <laughs> Connor Lustoka, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, one more thing? Yeah, we have one last thing. Uh, well, we realized, you know, while we were hanging out last night, 
that there are, this is what I got all those prompts for, uh, poor Sean Penn released a book two weeks ago. Um, and, and two weeks later, not a single person has reviewed it <laughs> on Amazon. So I think that we need to be the first ones to do it okay. live on stage tonight. Let's do it live. Okay, let me just find the, let me find the one star button. Oh, this is the wrong page. And so we can use these prompts to, uh, to review Sean Penn's book. Why don't you just put your review of women on there? And that'll be... He'll <laughs> <laughs> get the message. <laughs> I, I, I deserve it. <laughs> All right, let's... Uh, let's uh, I'll remind you, by the way, this is being taped. <laughs> Like, you can call these people liars when they say you won't believe what I saw tonight, but, but it's actually being taped. Okay, go uh, ahead. What, is the, uh, what was the letter of the person's father's name? J. Uh, so let's do an alliterative uh, sentence in Sean Penn's um, trademark style. So, okay. Uh, Juice, juicy J. This is really, this is riveting. <laughs> Juicy J just jams jubilantly, which would be better than Sean Penn's second book. What's the next? Uh... Roller Gator. <laughs> you, you can talk while you're doing that. <laughs> Am I supposed to do like a tight five right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, worse than Roller Gator? That works, right? Yeah, that's good. But not as bad as those hated birds. <laughs> God. Tweet, tweet, <laughs> shut up! <laughs> How are you going to work birds in there? I'm, I'm doing literally what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is uh, Sisyphus. Careful with this, they're our hosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sisyphus would have, uh, would have preferred to keep rolling his boulder than read this book. I guess. <laughs> Do you have any more of your uh, article that I could read in between these little <laughs> gaps? Let me just pick it up here. There was some stuff at the beginning. Oh my God. <laughs> Hitler had some good ideas? <laughs> Connor. That's on them. They printed it. What's the last prompt? <laughs> Blinded by the Light. Blinded by the Light was a movie that I just watched and did not care for, and it is still better than this book. Good. Okay? Yeah. So, yeah. So that will be the first review of Sean Penn's uh, Bob Honey, Who Just Do Stuff 2. Uh, Bob Honey, Who Sings Jimmy, Jimmy Crackhorn. Crack yes. <laughs> uh, and so if uh, he lives up to his reputation of punching paparazzi and abusing people, uh, it comes for me. Um, you can say that I probably deserved it. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it, I think. Let's, um, thank you for uh, coming out. We really appreciate it. It was fun to see everybody. And yeah, really thank you so much. Have a great time doing this. So. Please read uh, Lair of the White Worm and listen to our podcast. And thank you, David Berge. Listen to uh, Like Trees Walking. And uh, we'll be back again next year. All right. See you thank later. Thank you all.
Folks, just want to let you know, you do not have to go home. The egg jar is open. All right? And uh, you can eat half of an egg. Mike ate half of So enjoy that one or save it, treasure it forever. A big thank you to Sisyphus for hosting us tonight. Thank you so much. And friends, a huge round of applause. Uh, Eric Jurdy in the back. He made this happen on... And, and, I'm not going to tell any tales out of school, but I have a thousand times more confidence that this is going to get recorded than the last one. It has recorded, and so we'll be posting it soon. So uh, thank you, Eric, for that. Let's uh, enjoy the rest of the night. All right. Thanks, everyone.